0: This is A Call to Actions. I'm your host, Bobby Vaughn Jr. With me in the studio today is the founder of A Call to Actions, Kimberly Schultz.
1: Hello, everyone.
0: Alrighty, And we're continuing on our, our uh, Controllagarchs journey here. And again, our returning guest for the fourth week in a row is author of the new book, Controllagarchs. Exposing the Billionaire Class, Their Secret Deals, and the Globalist Plot to Dominate Your Life. And he was recently promoted as Vice President of Government Accountability Institute, or GAI. In the fourth chapter today, we'll be discussing the power grab. And Seamus, if you just want to introduce Can yourself real quick, and then, uh, then I'll, I'll do, a, do the quote under the power grab welcome Seamus
2: hey Bobby Kimberly it is so good to be with you uh, I just love doing these weekly chats we're gonna have to find something new to talk about after we get through chapter 10 but uh, anyway I'm, I'm really excited to get into the power grab awesome so are we Kimberly I'll say something
0: for a read this quote. Well, I'm just
1: excited every week. It's um, you know, more eye-opening information, not only for ourselves, but for our, our listeners and many more to yet find us and pass on the word.
0: Yes, and just in case anyone did not know, uh, we are believers in Christ. and uh, We believe personally that the only true king is Jesus Christ himself. So I just wanted to get that out of the way. So we're continuing uh, episode four of Controllogarchs with Seamus Bruner, The Power Grab. I'm going to start it with the quote included uh, right under the chapter, uh, chapter name, The Power Grab. Here's a quote. You never want a serious crisis to go to waste. For a long time, our entire energy policy came down to cheap oil. This crisis provides the opportunity to do things that you could not do before. That is by Rom Emanuel, advisor to both presidents Clinton and Obama, from November two thousand eight. So, Seamus, uh, how would you like to open up this one?
2: Yeah. So we know that we know that phrase well. It's uh, never let a crisis go to waste, and the climate crisis, the so-called climate crisis is the ultimate uh, amongst the poly crises that we are now experiencing there's so many crises they're throwing at us left and right but the climate crisis is really the ultimate crisis because pa- uh, energy is used for everything i mean it, it controls every aspect of your life i mean your transportation uh, how how you heat and cool your home uh, how you uh you know charge your cell phone everything that you do on a daily basis requires energy for the most part for most people and so when you realize that all of these climate change narratives that are constantly shifting it's oh, holes in the ozone layer and then it's climate you know it's global cooling then it's global warming and it's the the sea turtles and all and you know on and on and on of all of these things which by the way uh you know I'm a conservationist nobody I would say, wants to live in a dirty environment. Nobody wants a dirty planet. No one wants to kill Mother Earth or however you want to put it. Um, but when you look at how these climate crises, so-called crises, have shifted over time and what the s- solutions, the so-called solutions, uh, they always seem to benefit the people who are pushing the crises. And so that's not a, that's not a coincidence. Rahm Emanuel spells it out when he says, we can't let a crisis go to waste. And uh, yeah, that's what this chapter is about, is how they are leveraging the uh, climate crisis or what they're calling the climate crisis for their own personal benefit, so that they can seize control over the entire energy sector um, and and rule for uh, a thousand years, I guess.
0: Yeah, after they upload their, their mind and all the harvested data, Uh, that was acquired by their machines into their avatar bodies, right, to live immortally. Though, you know, going back to the climate issue, I think certainly no matter what walk of life one comes from, we know pollution exists. We know uh, toxic pollution or toxic discharges are regulated by EPA, Um, even uh, radiological, radioactive discharges are uh, regulated by Department of Energy and Nuclear Regulatory Commission. That is different, though. Uh, Pollution and radioactive contamination is different than their, quote, uh, climate change scenario. Uh, What would be the key differences there?
2: Yeah, well, so if you go back, and we've we've talked in the last episodes about this, um, if you go back and really follow the people who've been talking about uh, the climate and and you know fossil fuels and energy and all of this stuff, it, it started, and we don't have to go through all of it again, but it started with the overpopulation crisis. And then they realized the Club of Rome, the World Economic Forum, the United Nations, people like Bill Gates, they realized that people don't want to be told, stop having babies and, and stop producing less. And so it kind of took a circuitous route, a roundabout way of getting to where we are today. Um, You know, first with the global cooling and, oh, that didn't pan out. And, oh, we're going to run out of oil and there's peak oil and then that didn't pan out. And uh, holes in the ozone layer and that didn't pan out. And, uh, you know, they talk about a, a big floating island of trash in the Pacific. And actually it turns out that there's more biodiversity on the big trash island in the Pacific than there is in uh, other places. It's kind of like a coral reef. So all of these fear tactics and fear mongering that they used, um, it hasn't it hasn't really panned out, um, but you get to climate change, which is relatively new. Um, and, and it's just perfect because climate change, I mean, what does that even really mean? Um, obviously, you often see them just attributing normal weather events to so-called climate change. They talk about you know, I just saw a Reuters piece where there was a big lightning storm and they said, oh, this is clearly climate change. And it's like, I mean, next they're going to be saying that uh, volcanoes are climate change. And people are so uh, credulous and they don't they just like do like listen to what they're told and believe it. That like just stop and think for a second. How on earth would a volcanic eruption have anything to do with uh, the consumption of fossil fuels? It wouldn't. And, uh, and, and the thing about fossil fuels is uh, they produce carbon co2 that's that's what the uh the number one villainous greenhouse gas is and so they're trying to By the uh, for one thing co2 guess what you breathe in and out all the time you breathe in oxygen you exhale co2 so truly you are the carbon that they want to reduce and and what breathes in co2 plants so it is a totally part of the natural uh cycle of the planet earth uh the the part you know if we were to get into really specific details like parts per million that co two is in the atmosphere we're talking infinitesimal uh, amounts of co two compared with everything else in the atmosphere and so it just doesn't it really doesn't add up and then you go look at the what the the u n and all you know uh, the climate bodies uh the ipcc the international panel on climate change what do they say is actually going to happen they say That if we don't go to net zero by the year 2030, and when they say net zero, they mean no greenhouse gas emissions, uh, which is just completely, you can't fathom how that will upend our way of life, but we need to get there or else the planet might raise a a, a degree. I think a degree and a half is like the one that they say is totally catastrophic and everything on planet Earth is going to die. Well, actually, if you look at the, the way people die, it's more often from freezing than from having the temperature a degree and a half too high. And if you look at biodiversity on planet Earth, it thrives in warmer climates. And so even if what everything they say is true and that the average global temperature does raise by a degree and a half, there is a strong case to be made that everyone will be just fine. There there will actually be more biodiversity than ever, that it's not going to lead to all kinds of like desertifications or, you know, just all of the, the, the cat catastrophes. And then here's how, like, here's the how you really know that they're just full of it is you look at their proposed solutions. And so one of them would be nuclear. And Bobby, we could spend many podcasts, hours talking about the catastrophes caused by the nuclear power industry for at every life cycle of uranium, at every phase of the life cycle of uranium, from the mining all the way through to the poisoning of the sick nuclear workers that we know, um, nuclear is totally toxic. And yet, that's what Bill Gates is plowing tons of some of his own money, but a lot of our money. He gets a lot of grants, and we and I talk about how these control egarchs get a lot of taxpayer funding to enrich themselves. Um, in their various uh, energy and other schemes. But energy is just one of the things. Go look at electric vehicles and look at solar panels and look at wind turbines. These are the other methods that they claim are going to free us from uh, you know, fo- fossil fuels. Lithium, I mean, right from the mining operation, it is open pit strip mining. It is a, uh, I mean, it's earth rape is how an environmentalist ought to classify it. Um, And then, uh, you know, they, they use child labor to pull that lithium and all these other rare earths out of the, out of the ground to uh, create electric vehicles and other various, you know, electric powered um, devices. And and then you look at like what happens with those electric vehicle batteries when they're done, they get sent to a landfill and they leak toxic sludge out for the rest of their lives for as long, you know, a thousand years. Same thing with the uranium, I know you know much more about this, Bobby than I do, about the the half- lifes and how like when they when they don't store it properly, that's- to- making the the location toxic for a thousand years. So these things are so much worse than you know and, and, and this isn't to say that like the smog coming out of vehicles and factories is a good thing. I'm not saying that, but it's it's not as catastrophic as their proposed solutions. Same thing with the wind turbines, uh those things don't biodegrade. They leak toxic materials. Same thing with the solar panels. Those leak toxic materials. And so that's how you know that these guys are full of it, is that their solutions are actually worse than the problems they're claiming they want to save.
0: I'd have to agree 100% with you there. Uh, No one's explained it in quite so much detail, though. Uh, Yeah, Bill Gates, his company, TerraPower... he was wanting to of course that's a nuclear a nuclear uh company, Terrapower, and yes, we're very well aware that nuclear is probably the most dangerous not only to the workers and uh the communities surrounding uh but also the environment and the planet as some of these radionuclides have half lives of hundreds of thousand, even some of them uh, uh millions of years it's a very long time and the effects of of radiation can can last up to twenty one generations actually you know we haven't even been around for twenty one generations but uh studies done on on mice mice show twenty one generations we're only about four generations into our nuclear, um, uh, history as human beings, but uh, we're still feeling and feeling and uh, witnessing the effects of the, one of their solutions being nuclear. Uh, so Bill Gates here, uh, with Terra Power. Yeah. Um, well, I
2: just, real quick, I'll plug your documentary. Everybody needs to go watch Death by Diffusion. I mean, that was so well done, Bobby. Um, that can really show you the catastrophic consequences of our nuclear power industry, and then we'll talk about how Bill Gates wants to take it to the next level.
0: Yeah, who are some other key players here in this uh, in the power grab?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, starting starting with Bill Gates and uh, Terra Power. I mean, Terra Power is blessed by the government, blessed by the State Department. John Kerry sings its praises. Uh, he was the climate czar right up until John Podesta just took over just the, uh, like last week or so. Um, Terra Power endeavors to put a small module nuclear reactor in everybody's home. Uh, and if you've seen, uh, you know, go watch the, uh, there the, I think it was HBO who did a Chernobyl series, uh, look at Fukushima, uh, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm sure fact checkers would say that no, 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 small mo- modular nuclear reactors, they're totally safe. But, um, it doesn't seem like it. Having a nuclear reactor in your home powering your house or a small one in your town powering your whole town, that can lead to devastating consequences. I mean, the same people who told us that uh, you know the East Palestine uh, disaster is actually not a disaster. I mean, there are so many toxic, just Google all the Superfund sites in the U.S. And then if you look at the, the reporting of when those Superfund sites were first constructed, uh, of course, like they would just, oh, it's going to be so totally safe. You can drink the water. Everything's going to be fine. And they, they don't have a good track record, is the point here. But with Terra Power, it's even worse that they're going to end up, uh, you know, the nuclear power industry in general is going to end up poisoning you. They're, they're using your funds to do it. And they're using your funds. I mean, we know in uh, Piketon and Paducah, like they, they, they use your funds to build it, they use your funds to run it. And then they use your funds to try to clean it up later after everybody's gotten sick, but they're not stopping. Uh, Terra Power has gotten uh, over two billion dollars of your money. This is Bill Gates's nuclear power company. Um, they've got they're setting up a reactor in Wyoming to do a lot of testing, um, and they get a ton of taxpayer cash. Which, if it ends up failing, if it ends up being a disaster, guess what? Bill Gates gets to keep all the profits, and you're going to be on the hook for all the losses
0: are there any common banking outfits or uh investment corporations maybe jp morgan or any other of the other familiar names that are invested in these quote
2: solutions yeah i'm glad you brought up jp morgan uh jp morgan as as uh listeners to the show will know that is involved in with centris and and with the Usec plant and uh is is also just one of the uh, biggest and most powerful banks in the world. J.P. Morgan, by the way, is a uh, a combination of both J.P. Morgan, but also uh, Chase, which Chase Manhattan Bank was founded by David Rockefeller. And if you haven't listened to episode one, go back and listen to what all the things the Rockefellers were into. So this is the biggest, uh, most villainous bank probably in the world, funds all of the bad stuff. Well, it just so happens that Bill Gates has a great relationship with JP Morgan. In fact, it was the bank JP Morgan who Bill Gates uh, got hooked up with Jeffrey Epstein through because JP Morgan, of course, was uh, Jeffrey Epstein's banker. And this is kind of a little bit of a tangential aside here, but while we're on the subject of JP Morgan, uh, JP Morgan had been Jeffrey Epstein's banker for uh, nearly two decades. um, And then in around 2011, Bill Gates uh, was setting up a a health, a health venture, a global health investment fund with J p Morgan and his banker uh, this guy James Staley, who has been accused by Jeffrey Epstein's victims of being a child rapist um, he denies those claims I have to say uh, but James Staley said, "Well why don't you meet my good friend Jeffrey Epstein? He's a client with us and Bill Gates said, "Sure I'd love to and they 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 end up having many many visits together Bill Gates Flew on the jet, um, ends up being coming quite close with Jeffrey Epstein. They had a lot of shared interests, um, mostly around uh, global health and uh, overpopulation and, and uh, various genetic tinkering, CRISPR-type technologies. Um, but anyway, this is the reason that uh, Melinda Gates, who the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation still keeps her name there, uh, divorced Bill. She says that his relationship with Jeffrey Epstein was far too scandalous. And a lot of people don't know that that all goes back to the bank JP Morgan. Another thing people don't know is that we're all wondering what who's on the client list and where's this client list. Well, I can tell you for 100% certainty, the bank JP Morgan knows every one of J- uh, Jeffrey Epstein's clients because the way the relationship worked was a blackmail type relationship. And JP Morgan admitted uh, they were sued just in, in the last year Ah, uh, they settled with the victims of Jeff- Jeffrey Epstein, and they uh, admitted during that trial or during that uh, you know lawsuit they settled before trial. Um, they admitted that they had facilitated a billion dollars in transactions that they said were related to quote human trafficking end quote. So they know who sent money to J- Jeffrey Epstein for his uh, island and Lolita Express services. And uh, Bill Gates is right in the middle of that relationship. Um, he denies, of course, doing anything wrong. And I have to say that because there hasn't been any uh, conclusive evidence. But we do know that Jeffrey Epstein did blackmail Bill Gates. He had an affair with, um, I believe she was a ballerina, very young, not underage, but very young ballerina. And uh, because Jeffrey Epstein knew that Bill Gates had cheated on Melinda with this, with this woman, uh, he, he used that as a way to... Uh, pressure bill gates to fund some of jeffrey epstein's ventures so anyway that's a little bit of a digression from the power grab but jp morgan is in the center of the nuclear power industry and pretty much any industry i mean if you're a big uh control agarch type company you'd love to get a big loan from jp morgan you're probably banking with them um, because they are a too big to fail bank so um, that that answers that jp morgan question
0: some of the same key players that we've discussed in the previous episodes. I uh, see we have Bill Gates here, the Rockefellers, J.P. Morgan. I'm glad you talked uh, in detail about them. Uh, Elon Musk's part in this power grab. First, before we move on to, to Musk, <clears throat> I'm suspecting really that they truly don't believe and they know that the push for, quote, green energy really is not a safe way what they're trying to do is pave a way to convince a global population at least the citizens of the u.s to accept uh, new smart cities where all electronics may communicate with each other and even interact with human beings and spy <laughs> of course yeah well that's where that's where bezos and amazon come in amazon uh uh, web services uh, surveillance cameras on every on every stoplight uh, so but I just want to mo- uh, move that out of the way uh, so we can kind of transfer over to Musk here uh, what would you have to say is Musk's role here in this uh, this his power grab
2: yeah so uh I I say in the chapter Musk is is a bit of an enigma I mean a lot of people uh you know on the you know the the peasant side of things uh we you know we the peasants um like like to lionize Elon Musk and, and treat him as this white knight who is going to come in and save us he's bought Twitter and so now he's a, he's a free speech champion and all of these things and and that may be true Um, But there's lots of evidence that uh, he's much more in the control camp, despite what he says publicly. And I mean, look no further than Tesla. I mean, first of all, uh, and by the way, I I believe it was JP Morgan who who, who bankrolled his takeover of Twitter. And so that's really, to me, a huge piece of evidence is that we've seen what a threat to the system looks like, right? Uh, And never before really in history, I would argue, um, until Donald Trump um and like when the system detects a threat it uses every avenue every resource every instrument at its disposal to combat that threat now maybe you know donald trump you know this isn't an, necessarily an endorsement of donald trump but just look at what they've done to him i mean they're right now in new york deliberating over whether they seize his life's work and take away all of his properties from him um and before he was a you know a political figure uh, most people loved him in the, at least in the popular culture. And, you know, he had an a show on NBC. Um, but anyway, I, you know, that's sort of a digression, but just look at the figure of Donald Trump and like to see what a true threat to the system, uh, and how the system reacts to that threat. Uh, Elon Musk claims to be a threat to the system. And and you would think maybe he is, he's allowing free speech. And once we can talk about, um, all of these control online, then we can fight back and all of this stuff. But, Really, if he's a threat to the system, then why is David Rockefeller's and JP Morgan's uh, you know, bank funding his acquisitions? And how does he get all of this funding to begin with? Um, and how does he get all of these cozy relationships with the government for things like SpaceX or Neuralink or, I mean, on and on, uh, the, the boring company, which is, <coughs> pardon me, the boring company, which is digging holes under entire cities for underground travel you know using uh auto you know automated vehicles self-driving cars so uh Elon Musk I think is worthy of suspicion uh in the in the power grab chapter specifically I talk about how his grandfather was the founder of this te- technocracy movement and technocracy is sort of another word an earlier term for control um a technocracy is a system in which the technological elite the engineers um, and, and those types, the scientists, they make all the decisions. It's inherently an anti-democratic system. You do not have a vote in a technocratic system. And Elon Musk, uh, takes, you know, walks in his grandfather's footsteps. He's a proud technocrat. He thinks that there should be things like carbon taxes and digital IDs. Uh, he, he believes that, um, in a world government, he's, he's said very similar things. There's a great graphic, uh, that that has been floating around. Maybe you've seen it where it's kind of comparing Elon Musk's statements with that of Klaus Schwab. Um, uh, I'll read some of his quotes if you give me one second to pull it up. Uh, So he is someone, here we go. So he, uh, Elon Musk has said said on May 21st, uh, May 13th, 2021, it is high time there was a carbon tax. Uh, World Economic Forum says why a carbon tax is crucial to curbing climate change. Elon Musk says I, as a reminder, I am in favor of universal basic income. World Economic Forum says, four reasons why cities should embrace universal basic income. Elon Musk says, to be clear, I support vaccines in general and COVID vaccines specifically. The science is unequivocal. World Economic Forum says the same. On transhumanism, uh, Elon Musk says, creating a neural lace is the thing that really matters for humanity to achieve symbiosis with machines. And, uh, he's said similar creepy things about, uh, having a one world government. So this is a guy who you need to be very skeptical of. You do not need to put all your eggs in the Elon Musk, Elon Musk basket. I have a lot of friends who are, are big Elon, uh, fans who always get upset when I talk about reasons to be suspicious of Elon Musk, but Tesla, uh, Tesla. You know, it's not just Tesla, it's what all electric vehicles are capable of. Uh, And and Congress just passed um, a law saying that every new vehicle, of course, electric vehicles manufactured after the year 2026 must have a remote control kill switch so that if uh, they claim it's to stop drunk driving, because that's, I mean, obviously that is a problem, but there's other solutions currently that exist for for making sure that a drunk person can't drive their car. You know, if you got a repeat offender, they have the breathalyzers in the car or whatever. So that's just a total smoke screen as so many of the crises. And we'll just keep going back to that quote at the top of the chapter. Never let a crisis go to waste. The crisis of drunk driving. That means they need to be able to shut down your car wherever you are um, for any reason, Uh, you know, let's say you posted, you can just imagine scenarios, uh, based on their previous actions. Like if you posted a a meme online, they might want to lock you down. Uh, or if you attended a, a rally in Washington, DC, they might want to suspend your driving privileges. So, um, uh, Tesla is the, at the forefront, it is by far and beyond the largest electric vehicle manufacturing company. It tracks you, it traces you everywhere you go um that that information is going up to Elon's cloud um which is to be shared with the government it's the same thing with Twitter by the way twitter is not like separated itself from the deep state it is still cooperating with all of the agencies that want to spy on you so that's a little bit on Elon you can you can uh point me in another direction if you'd like to go there
0: yeah his uh, his grandfather which he took uh, a lot of um Took a lot of inspiration from Joshua Haldeman. He was actually a leader of the Technocracy Incorporated in Canada, and that being capital T and capital I, which was actually a company in Canada. So technocracy, the word technocracy may seem to be a new one to a lot of us, but actually it goes back nearly a hundred years, right?
2: Yeah, that's right. I mean, it was, uh, I mean, even before there were computers um, or, or and new Brzezinski has got a great, uh, a great book on technocracy. If you want to see where the control guards want to go, I'll, I'll send that to you, Bobby, and you can share that, um, in, you know, in your channels. Um, but technocracy incorporated, I mean, it sounds like a company It was actually like a social movement. Um, uh, technocracy Inc is how they shortened it. It wasn't exactly like a company. It was really a movement. It was like supposed to be like, oh, it's capitalist and, you know, they're not like a bunch of communists. Um, but they share with communism that there needs to be a centralized convening type body that, that, that does a lot of central planning where the people don't get to decide things that happens to them. It's these uh, the central key, um, the tech, the technocrats. And uh, Elon Musk, of course, would be like the chief technocrat among us. He's an engineer. He is brilliant. That's to, that's to be sure. Um, and But it's it's these guys who think that because they know so much, they know better than you, and they should make all of your decisions for you. And that goes from what kind of car you can drive, how much you can drive, how far you can drive, to what you can eat, uh, what medicines you have to take, um, everything, every part of your life, they know better than you. And I'm a staunch, uh, uh, I, you know, I disagree very strongly with that. I'm sure you guys do too. I think that people, no matter who they are, nobody knows how to make a, a decision better for that individual's life than the individual himself or herself. And so it's, it's a very undemocratic system. Uh, Joshua Halderman was, you know, Elon's grandfather. He was also a member of, I just, I had to get it into the book. Um, it, uh, the social credit party, apparently there was a social credit party in Canada, um, which is so funny because we you know what this is all leading towards is of course the social credit score um and so you know they be- he actually invented a new currency that he called ergs uh this would be Elon's uh grandfather and and is very proud of his grandfather and, and is again like I said walking in his grandfather's footsteps um and the the erg is very much like a social credit score type currency it's very much like a cbdc where it, 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 you know you're your ergs fluctuate based on your carbon usage or based on, you know, your social credit. Um, and so if you're a good citizen, if you're a good peasant who follows all the rules, then you get more uh, social credit and more, uh, you know, CBDC is where we're headed. And, and Elon is, of course, a fan of crypto, um, whether, whether he thinks it should be centralized or decentralized. He, he states at the time uh, right now, cent, uh, decentralized. But it's going to take time for this the, the technology to get to a point. And then once they have this centralized bank, digital currency, CBDC system in place, we won't be able to get out of it.
0: Smart homes, smart cities, and the internet of controlled things. To those who are unfamiliar with any of those uh, phrases... How could you explain those just starting with the, uh, the smart homes and smart cities and how, well, and linking it to how it's, uh, tied to the internet of controlled
2: things. Sure. So, I mean, everybody hears there's an, an ever increasing amount of smart devices. You got your smart watch. you got your smart thermostat, your whole home is a smart home. Um, And, and what these devices are, these, they're internet enabled devices. I mean, your washing machine is now a smart washing machine. Your refrigerator is a smart refrigerator. Um, what really all these things are is what, and this was a, it was at a world economic forum keynote where they came up with the term in the nineties, late nineties. So it's a very old term, actually, relatively speaking, uh, the internet of things, IOT. And it's all of these devices that can connect to the crowd. I mean, I've got a smart litter, litter box for the cat that, uh, you know, I can connect via Wi-Fi, And if I'm over, you know, far away, I can hit cycle and it will refresh. Um, I don't advocate these technologies. Obviously I'm, I'm very much against them, but they do make our lives easier in a lot of ways. If you travel a lot, it might be hard. It might be uh, nice to have a smart, uh, cat feeder or dog feeder so that you, uh, don't have to board your pets somewhere. But in any case, what all of these devices are really doing is they are connecting to a cloud. I mean some of them are listening to you your smart TV for example, we know from WikiLeaks is listening to you and feeding that information. We know also confirmed that your devices are listening to you for advertising purposes so that like when you're talking about oh man, we might need a new garden hose or something and uh next thing you know you go on the internet and it is pushing garden hose uh, advertisements at you like that is not like you're not going crazy that wasn't. Um, that, that is happening. Your, your phone or your, it's really actually your TV is listening to you and is sending things. Now, a lot of people have come to accept the, this internet of things. And they said, well, the convenience that is offered by having these smart devices in my life far outweighs, I mean, look, I don't break any rules. I'm not a bad guy. Like I can, you know, I've got nothing to hide. Um, and it's real like, that is the wrong way to think about it because it's not you. And it's not at this moment. It is all of us uh, collectively being nudged in a certain direction. And so I've got a couple of, uh, examples in the book where, uh, for example, the ring doorbells, these are smart doorbells that we now have. Um, they, they, they're not just listening to you. They're not just spying. They're not just feeding all of that into, you know, a centralized database that part of me, I've got, frog in my throat. They're not just feeding that into like a you know a deep state database to later be pulled up and inspired. I mean, they are doing that, but that's not the worst part of it. the The worst part of it is the social engineering that comes with this. First of all, there's a plenty of studies, you know, st- famous Stanford type studies where people who are under surveillance act as though they believe, like uh, they act what they want, uh, they think the regime wants them to do. So you start self censoring and you start. Acting, you know. Well, I'm not going to talk about, you know, I, I'm not going to talk about my doubts uh, on climate change, or I'm not going to, you know, besmirch the good name of Bill Gates. Someone might be listening to me. I'm not saying, you know, that's a little hyperbolic, but you you get what I'm saying is like you you're afraid to talk about some things because something might hear you. You know, you might want to leave your phone in your car if you're going to have a sense a sensitive conversation with somebody. Um, I mean, that's that's just tyrannical, by the way, and we've kind of come to accept it as like, oh, I guess I have to use you know another app. I can't call someone, but this smart doorbell, it was widely reported a guy who, uh, he wrote a whole, um, you know, blog post about what exactly happened to him. He provided screenshots and evidence and data that, uh, he, you know, got locked out of his Amazon account. And increasingly for a lot of people, your Amazon account is almost everything. It's your entertainment, it's your food, you know, you get your whole foods from there. It's all of the things that you need, all of your household products, it's everything. You're buying everything from Amazon. Imagine all of a sudden you lost that capability to go shopping at, uh, at, at your, you know, local Whole Foods, or you lost, uh, the ability to watch entertainment. I mean, these are not like life ending type things, but it would de- totally disrupt your, your, de- your day-to-day life. Uh, this guy got locked out. Why? Because his doorbell, uh, you know, he was getting a, a delivery and it was he found out through the process of going and contacting customer support that he had allegedly uttered a racial slur there was just one problem he never did he was able to prove it it took him a while but he was able to get back into his account um and you know get start getting his uh amazon services again um but and and for people who run like websites on amazon web services which is an increasing number of people aws um that it is just sinking its tentacles deeper and deeper into everyone's lives. And then if you're not even allowed to, first of all, even if he did say it, he, you shouldn't be able to like lose services, but he didn't say it. And he was able to prove that he never said this racial slur because I guess the delivery driver I get was, you know, some demographic that Amazon claimed that he had disparaged in some way, even though he hadn't. And so it just, that, that's one example. Another, you know, that's an example of like, they're not just listening to you for commercial reasons. That's what a lot of people, they, the reasons they accept, they accept it because it's like, oh, well, if Amazon's listening to me through my Alexa, um, but it just wants to sell me a better product, I'm okay with it. It's not just selling you a better product. It is social engineering. It is conditioning you and it is ultimately penalizing you and uh, you know, issue, issuing you demerits on your forthcoming social credit score that is the big threat. Uh, and then I'll give another example with the, ther- the smart thermostats. I mean, imagine uh, it's, you know, it's the winter uh, and you live, uh, you know, in the north, it's cold, you're freezing, you wake up in the middle of the night, you're cold, um, you go to the thermostat and you try to turn on the heat, but your thermostat won't let you, you've been locked out. Um, that's, that may say sound crazy to you. know that would never happen, but with these smart thermostats, it is happening. It's already happened in Denver, Colorado, it's happened in Texas, it's happened in, in, in California, and... It, now, to be uh, clear on this, the users, the the people with the smart thermostats, they clicked "I agree." Now they didn't read the fine print, um, so it wasn't totally unexpected. But these people had no idea that when they agreed to sign up for the smart meter program and you're going to save thirty two bucks a month on your utility bill, uh, all you have to do is click "I agree." They didn't read the fine print. If you are getting these smart thermostats and they're going to be sold to you as would you like to save 20 bucks on your utility bill every month you're like, Boy, like uh, 20 bucks that's like i don't know 240 bucks a year yeah i'll do that like sign me up you don't read the fine print they want to be able to remotely control the temperature in your house and it is companies like amazon they've got the you know the the smart thermostats that google with the nest uh, has got its smart thermostats there's several other companies honeywell is one of them actually and i know that means something to you bobby but uh Honeywell is one of the companies that's making these thermostats that can be remotely controlled and ultimately it's like you 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 add in the smart doorbells and you add in the smart thermostats and the smart cars and the smart watches and the smart everything on uh you know all of the internet of things into a full blown smart city and then with you couple in the uh, AI and the ability to go through all this and find oh who's using all the most carbon okay let's, let's let's dial back their smart thermostat usage that's where they want to get to oh oh he he kept his AC down to seventy two degrees or uh, he should have been keeping it at seventy five cut off his weekend driving privileges and I mean the, if that sounds far fetched you haven't been paying attention that's exactly what they're doing
0: yeah and the potential to limit someone's even someone's water intake as well right I think that would Probably be uh, within the realm of feasibility.
2: Oh, oh, they did that in California. They did that for the uh, the rule breakers, the people who weren't observing. Uh, uh, <clears throat> dear Leader Gavin Newsom's communist diktats during the pandemic, they cut off their utilities, electricity and water. If, yeah, you, I mean, had a, if you had a, if you had a if you had a couple families over for Thanksgiving, you were uh, you ran the risk of having your uh, full blown water and electricity turned off
0: wasn't aware of that so yeah it gets in the realm of of dystopia here and taking the power away from the independent family in a home and really what it is 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 a centralized control network uh, in the name of One thing or another, one being convenience as the other is fighting, quote, climate change. But really, what is the real
2: agenda? Yeah, I mean, the number one goal, and I'll keep coming back to it interview after interview, the number one goal of the control guards is to transfer power away from you, power uh, literally and also uh, figuratively, power away from you, away from your country, and, and take that power and give it to international institutions that they control. They want to decrease our decision-making ability. They've already done this for Europeans all across Europe with the EU. They want a series of EU-type bodies, which the leadership of the EU is not democratically elected by the people. It is not direct representation like we have in the U S as terrible as our uh, elected officials are. We did elect them. I mean, you know, the stolen elections uh, are a big problem, but not n- nevertheless. I mean, at, a, at most levels of uh, government, it's very hard to steal election. I mean, so we do have uh, a, a true representative democracy for the most part, or we should, and we need to fix it if we don't. But uh, that's not what they want. They do not want people's abilities to vote. And, it's, and, th- and that's what makes their talk about democracy. You, they just throw the term democracy, democracy everywhere. Ukraine, oh, we got to fund Ukraine's democracy. Um, like, that makes it so laughable and it's just like so in your face because they do not want democracy. They want technocracy. They want to rule by a scientific elite. That's where things like trust the science, like just shut up. Like do what we say. Trust the science, even though like, well, wait a second. I thought science was like constantly questioning things and in, in, you know finding out if there's any flaws in the hypothesis. It's like no, no, no. Question, uh, trust the science means do as we say, or else. Um, that is the system that they want, and in order to achieve that system, they need to weaken individual, everybody, right down to your health, your individual health, but weaken uh, systems, weaken communities, weaken people, weaken whole countries, as we're seeing to our. Beloved USA, um, with you know, whether it's via invasion or inflation or uh, opening the prisons and not locking people up who are violent offenders, uh, on and on and on. All of these crises, many of them manufactured, are all about one thing taking power away from you, from your country, giving it to people like Bill Gates and Klaus Schwab and the international institutions that they control.
0: Very well said, very well said. Kimball, do you have anything? Yeah.
1: Well, it's it's just, it, it's sad to watch it, you know, watch the attempts of it, but at the end of the day, you know, the whole point of the, us sharing these things is for people to be aware of these, you know, subtle, and it might seem subtle, like kind of the frog in the pot kind of thing, but it's it's not subtle according to them and their plans. They're They're quite, you know, adamant to make it go forward as fast as they can we just have to be part of the conversation so we don't sell into and fall into line in with their agenda
0: they use a different strategy much different tactics than than we use they use tactics like manipulation deception um, neural engineering social engineering Uh, neuromarketing which is just a a sadistic uh, psychological study uh, studying the minds of of different ethnic groups and seeing how they can be manipulated how different people in certain situations react to different stimuli both audio or or visual, and as a way to market best to those people. And they're using all the manip- manipulative tactics that they can. It, it's an honor to not be on that side of, of the game. And to be here talking with you, Seamus, has been a real honor.
2: Well, it's an honor to talk with you too, Bobby, and you, Kimberly. I always inv- enjoy these chats. I can't wait for next week and uh what do we got next week oh the war on farmers it's uh it's just heating up and the and the farmers are actually getting some wins so uh i'll, I'll come prepared uh, next week with with some good uh some good news
1: i'm excited about that because i grew up on a 40 acre farm and we were self-sufficient so i i know fully what it's like to have mm-hmm. the heart of a farmer <laughs>
0: yeah I, I love those amish guys they come out here
2: they're so cool god bless you guys god bless you so much and kimberly i can't wait to hear some of your stories and yeah god bless god bless the on
0: oh yeah well oh, seamus Bruner here we're wrapping up episode four in our Controller gark series this one today on tuesday february 13th we'll have the podcast up and out uh, within a day or so uh this episode number four Controller garks the power grab with Vice President of Government Accountability Institute and the author of the book, Controllogarchs, which you can find at any bookstore or online. Uh, You can find Seamus and his organization. Would you like to mention uh, Government Accountability Institute and how people can find GAI?
2: Yeah, it's www.g-a-i.org. I uh I was not in charge of choosing the domain names, but uh g a iorg dot org. You can go to the That's uh w- that's a more up-to-date site with a lot of our news and breaking investigations. Um follow at Peter Schweitzer on Twitter. He's always posting good stuff. Follow me on all platforms, uh at Seamus Bruner. And uh yeah, that that's uh that's how you can get a hold of us. Those are our coordinates, so thank
0: you. All You're welcome, Seamus. Thank you for being on. God bless you, brother. We'll talk Tuesday next week, all right? Perfect. Thanks, Bobby. All
2: thank right. you, Kimberly.
1: Yeah, thank Bye. you, brother. Blessings.